Lewiston, Idaho, and Clarkston, Washington, are separated by the Snake River, but they are connected through a series of grisly murders and disappearances that started in 1979 with the disappearance of Christina White, followed by Kristen David, and then three people from the Lewiston Civic Theater incident, Christina Nelson, Brandy Miller, and Stephen Pearsall. All five of these people were in one or the other of the states, right in the general area, and maybe were killed by the same person. All five cases are cold. everybody and welcome to true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters this is katie weaver i'm here with my sister co-host and partner in crime christy brower hello hello hey everybody how's it going oh it's going really well you know except that we had a blizzard today yeah boo Green but i see Idaho. you've been off gallivanting and gambling and having fun yeah we did we went to a casino uh i'm not gonna say i walked out with much money because i didn't but we had a good time well, I guess it's the thought that counts. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. Well, um, actually, I didn't even get to tell you this, so I'll tell you on air. I saw one of our dear friends that we grew up with, our dear friend Emily. I ran oh. into her. She was meeting up with her parents there, and that was really fun. I haven't seen her in a long time. Wow, I'm so jealous. Yeah, that was really fun. And um, I played a lot of blackjack, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't come out with nothing, but I didn't go come out with what I went in with. Let's just say that. <laughs> but it was fun like we that's had how it goes time. down but well good i mean it's that's it and running into old friends and seems like a good way to spend a sunday well i think so especially when it's blizzarding outside so right and i said sunday because it is sunday well this is our monday edition but of course we usually record the night before so that right. we uh, can be hot and ready with all of uh the tea that we're going to spill. So that's uh, right. where it's at. Well, all is well here also. Uh, very unhappy pigs. And the crows have been outside uh, eating it out of that feeder and going crazy and screaming at each other. And nice. saw one crow chase a little blackbird off and fly a long ways chasing her. I uh, uh, Bless her soul. I hope she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mess with their feeder, bro. It sounds like it. Yeah. But we do want to welcome you all. It is Monday. Uh, It's at the Monday case, and we're happy to be here. So uh, we're going to jump in because we have a lot of ground to cover today. So, Christy, I'm going to kick the mic right over to you to start us off with some WTF news. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you a little story. Of a man named Cody Setzer. Cody recently uh, pled guilty to possession of a prohibited species. Oh. And that would be because in March of 2019, he found himself in possession of two one-month-old bear cubs. Wait, found himself in possession of? It was an accident? 
Uh, well, here's a picture of them. They're darling. They're oh. very small. When they finally went to a rehab facility, they are the youngest bears to ever go to that facility in the state of California. Wow. So Cody said he just sort of found them along the side of the road one day. Oh, as you do. As sure. you do. As one-month-old yeah. bear cubs who are born in a den during winter and hibernation are never just on the side of the road, right? Well, I would say probably no. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. no. So it turns out that he stole them out of a den with their mother because he has a death wish, I guess. Oh my God. So then he had them for a little while and then it became apparent to him that he didn't actually know what he was going to do with them or how to take care of them. <laughs> this Mom. was just a, a realization one day. It, yeah, it took him a while to understand that maybe having two of his own pet bears was probably a really bad idea. So he called up the California Department of Fish and Wildlife and let him know that he had found these bears along the side of the road. And oh, as it turns oh, out, yeah. the oh, uh, no. California Department of Fish and Wildlife did not believe his stupid ass and he got charged <laughs> and he's in some trouble now. And the bears fortunately did go to a rehabilitation facility. And in uh, 2020, they were released into the wild. And so they are okay. Although they were taken from their mother and they their mother was never found. So they don't know exactly what all went on, but I, I just had to share mother. this with you because I mean, if you want to commit a crime, I would not start with stealing bear cubs out of their den. I mean, this seems I like end with that. I would. Right, this seems like expert level criminal behavior, not <laughs> beginner dumbass behavior. So anyway, Cody's going to jail, and the bears are okay. That's good. Yes. That's good well, on all accounts. I think Cody might need to go to jail just to keep him safe from himself. Um, I'm afraid so. Yes, because at no point ever was this a good idea yeah this was a plethora of bad decisions it definitely was so with that i'm gonna kick it back over to you for our main case okay well this is our group case for the week and we've both yes. been studying this case uh this is one that's actually out of idaho and washington mm -hmm. uh these are the lewis and clark murders Happened in Lewiston, Idaho, and Clarkston, Idaho, in the general area of those two areas. Well, Clarkston, Washington, right? Or Clarkston, yeah, sorry, Clarkston, Washington, yeah, which is more northern Idaho, a, a long ways from us. But uh, yeah. And uh, I'm going to start, I think, we'll just start with where it started. This yeah. It started with the disappearance of Christina Lee White. So Christina went missing on the 28th of April, 1979. She actually lived in Asseton, Washington, which is just right there. Kind of all these little tiny communities that butt up to each other. Yeah, right on the border of Idaho and Washington. Yeah. She was 12 years old. She had been at the Asseton County Fair. And she called her mom from a friend's house to say that she was feeling sick from the heat. It sounds like she was uh, kind of prone to that. Mm -hmm. And so her mom didn't have access to a car at the moment. So she told her to put a wet towel on her neck and lay down for a little while and she'd be okay. And then just get on her bike and ride home when she felt better. 
Mm-hmm. So she never called back. And her mom assumed that she probably just felt better and went back to the fair and went to have a good time. Mm-hmm. But uh, she she didn't. No. So she was last seen sometime between 7 and 10 p.m. that evening. Of course, when her mom went to pick her up at her friend's house, uh, she wasn't there. And some classmates did say that they had seen her uh, and thought she was on her way home. That's where that 7 to 10 o'clock window comes from. Mm -hmm. Weeks after her disappearance, a bunch of school papers with her names on them were found on a farm outside of town scattered around. Mm. Like maybe her book bag had been dumped or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, She had been riding her bike. She had a white 10-speed. Remember those? (laughs) Yes, I do. I truly do. We, We had red ones. Yeah. We did have red ones, yes. It had a basket on the front and three-inch wing nuts on the front wheels, you know, so your friend Uh could stand on them while you rode. Right. That Mm -hmm. was very important. Yep. Uh, She'd just gotten her bike. It was was a birthday present that she had gotten eight weeks before. The bike has never actually been found, Mm. Uh, nor has Christina, of course, Um they don't think this was a runaway. Uh, thank God this wasn't classified as a runaway. Right. Raised my blood pressure a lot. Uh, it wasn't, however. Uh, it was, however, uh, classified as a disappearance, and law enforcement had been looking for her for a while. So that was the first disappearance. And then let's fast forward a little bit to, to Kristen. So the the next disappearance was Kristen David. So Kristen David was 22. She was also riding her bike. Yeah, there's some weird things. Mm -hmm. Bikes and girls named Kristen or Christina. Yeah. (laughs) The name similarity is me too. Very weird. Yeah. So Kristen was riding her bike. From uh, Moscow, Moscow, not Moscow, Moscow, Idaho to Lewiston. So she, oh, again, okay. right in that same general area. Yep. Uh, she was in the Genesee area. She was riding her blue 10-speed bike on Friday, June 26th, 1981. And she never made it. Never made it uh, to her uh, location. And there was a manhunt for her. And a week later, her dismembered remains were found in the Snake River inside black garbage bags, uh, mostly wrapped in newspapers from April of that year Mm -hmm. from the local newspaper. They never found her bike. They never found her personal belongings or clothing. Anything that she would have had with her was never actually recovered. Mm -hmm. She was a senior in college at the University of Idaho. She was a double major in broadcast broadcast journalism and political science. Yeah. Smart, smart girl. Now, witnesses say that she was approached by a man driving a a brown van. So they say that he was a white male, approximately 30 years old, around 5'10", 180 pounds. He was stocky. And husky with a beard. Um, some of the suspects said they, or the, sorry, some of the witnesses said that they thought that his uh, beard was 
probably brown and that his hair was probably brown. Some thought it was kind of reddish. Yes, reddish or reddish brown. Yeah. I mean, that could be literally nearly any guy in this state. Right. I know. I mean, yeah. there's just nothing specific about that at all. Mm-mm. A white guy with a beard? Huh? Well, we live around hundreds of thousands of them. So. Yep. Well, and the the van. People said the van they thought had yellow license plates with dark lettering. Which at the time, to me, that would be California. That's what California's plates looked like back then. Right. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, that was not Idaho or Washington plates. No. But it wasn't. you could have put any plates on it. Exactly. That may not be any kind of smoking gun at all. Um, Witnesses thought that the van had a sliding door on the passenger side and two rear swing out doors Mm -hmm. that had windows on them. Uh, and might have been somewhat customized. It was a, a nice looking van mm-hmm. uh, as far as vans go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I own a van. You knocking it? Right. No, <laughs> not your van. Just this, this creeper Mine is van. a camping van. It looks like shit and it's supposed to. That's okay. Right. This is a creeper van. It's totally different. Yes. So totally different. at any rate, uh, they have nothing except for. That they do have items that were found on and around her body, you know, all of that uh, paper and garbage and or, or garbage sacks and whatever was there with her. Mm-hmm. And they are reviewing and retesting all of that to see if there's any sliver of de- DNA that they could come up with that would be worth anything. Sure. So they are still mm-hmm. hoping. This was actually in 2000 or 2021, the article that I'm referencing from uh, KRAM2 News uh, was a reignition from the FBI asking Mm -hmm. for tips in this cold case. Like these cases are cold, but they're not completely forgotten. They are still looking at them. There was a new documentary called Cold Valley that came out just in uh, the end of last year about these two cases or about all these, these five cases. So there's still work happening on them, but boy, they don't have much. No, and gosh, it's been so long. But I mean, if there's DNA, you know, that's going to change it all. But if there's not, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the Lewiston Civic Theater incident. Yeah, this is weird. So Christina Nelson and her stepsister, Brandy, Her whole name is Jacqueline Ann Brandy Miller, but she went by Brandy. So we'll call her Brandy. So Christina and Brandy had left uh, Christina's apartment and they were walking down to the grocery store down the street from her apartment. And they were also walking past the Lewiston Civic Center Theater that they had a connection to. In fact, uh, Christina had been an employee there in the past Mm -hmm. and They were also going out to do laundry. So at any rate, at some point, the authorities think that they had gone into the theater. And there were, there was another guy there, or or they believe had been there, by the name of Stephen Pearsall. So Stephen was 35. He was a little bit older. Uh, He was a janitor at the theater. And had actually taken over Kristen's job when she had had quit. And they were friends and knew each other a little bit. And Yeah, they were neighbors too, weren't they? They were neighbors as well, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, some people had described them as like brother and sister kind of, you know, relationship. And mm-hmm. at any rate, Stephen had been out at a party with his girlfriend and she had dropped him off at the theater so that he could practice his clarinet that he kept there as well as do some laundry. So they were all kind of right in the same area there doing some of the same stuff. Yeah. And the girls vanished. And so did Stephen. And when they all vanished, oh, they all said they attended the same college too, by the way, I should throw that in uh, Stephen and, uh, Christina both attended Lewis and State Clark College, mm-hmm. Lewis and Clark State College. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, um, all three of these people vanished. And at first, authorities thought maybe it was Stephen that uh, kidnapped the girls. Sure. And they kind of climbed through, uh, you know, the series of looking through his life to see if there's any chance, you know, this was him. And people that knew him were like, what? No, this isn't Stephen at all. But there were some things that uh, authorities found that really convinced them as well that Stephen didn't do anything. Uh, One of those things is that his car was parked at a friend's house. Another is that uh, his clarinet was still at the theater. And anyone who knew him would tell you there's no way in hell he would have left his clarinet behind. Uh, Then the other part of that is that he had uncashed paychecks at his apartment. Oh. So if he left... Who has uncashed his... paychecks? <laughs> right. Well, this was I don't know. Before I... direct deposit. I don't recall ever, you know, like hanging on to uncashed paychecks. They, right. they got cashed pretty darn quick. Maybe even he back got in the day of getting day. paper checks. <laughs> right. If you had to get off early on a Friday to cash your check, then by God. You did. Yeah. Or if you, most people would demand, they wanted checks before lunchtime on Friday, right? Yeah. Now, of course, it just hits your bank account and just magically you have money. But I digress. Anyway, (laughs) uh, so we did have uncashed uh, paychecks. So because of all of those things and because of the the testimony of people that knew him, they just really decided he didn't actually do this. He was a victim of this. Yeah. So the authorities going uh, theory is that someone kidnapped the girls uh, from or near the theater and Stephen was a witness of that, and they ended up taking or killing him as well. Yeah. But this is where things get a little bit weird. The girls were missing for two years, nearly two years. Uh, they're poor families. Like, these missing people, I just can't even. No. So they were missing for almost two years, and then eventually their bodies were found. And they were found on March 19th, 1984, in a rural area about 35 miles away from Lewiston in a place called Kendrick, Idaho. Oh, okay. So obviously their bodies had been uh, out in the elements for a long time. Mm-hmm. And they were unable to determine a cause of death for Nelson, uh, for, for uh, Christina. But Brandy uh, had clearly been murdered. So they assumed that they were both murdered. Uh, Stephen pretty never didn't just lay down in the woods and die. So oh, exposure, don't you know? <laughs> Boy, we've heard that too many times. Mm. But Stephen Pearsall was never located. His body's never been found. That's interesting mm-hmm. that they wouldn't all be in the same place. Right? That he was like pro- collateral damage. Right. Like 
they were the target. Mm -hmm. So probably it was more important to the person who killed them Mm -hmm. how they, their bodies were versus his. Yeah. Yeah. That is odd. It is odd. It is odd. And it's odd that their bodies weren't just all found in the same place, except for that Mm -hmm. I I suspect he probably died immediately and they didn't. Mm -hmm. I think you're right about that. But he's not been found. However, the Snake River is vast and fast moving. Mm -hmm. And the thought of a body being disposed of in a river like the snake and never being found is not a stretch at all. Yeah, no. I suspect he probably ended up being murdered immediately and then dumped in the river. But Mm -hmm. that's my thought. Interesting, though, that the other body was dismembered and put in the river. Mm -hmm. So then we have two bodies never found Mm -hmm. and two bodies in the woods. Mm -hmm. It's weird to think that that would be the same person. Not everyone's convinced. Some investigators feel like probably not. There's probably two killers in the area that were responsible for, uh, you know, these things. But there are those who are absolutely convinced that this was one serial killer that had their way with all of them. Hmm. And one of those people is actually the cousin of Kristen. And she has been really active in looking at these cases and Mm -hmm. trying to uh, hunt them down. I would love to tell you her name. I have it here somewhere. Oh, uh, Gloria Boberts. Yeah. And Gloria was just a year apart in age from Kristen and was very close to her. And she's been working for literally decades to try and prove who the killer is. And she thinks that she knows. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think they know, but it's somebody Mm -hmm. that they've never been able to arrest, right? Because they've they don't have enough information. This is a person who, uh, Christina White, was in his home right before she disappeared, and he worked at that same theater with all three uh, and was around all three of these other folks. Oh, wow. I was a little unclear what his connection was to the College of Idaho student. Mm-hmm. Um, but of those we know, there was a connection there with him. Sure. But there's been some other weird things that happened. Uh, in 1984, a serial killer named Otis uh, Toole implicated himself in the murder of David. And at the time, the uh, Idaho State Police said he was their strongest suspect. They also added that two other men had confessed to the same crime. And then in 19, or 2009, a retired Lewiston police detective uh, who had interviewed Tool said that he had ruled him out as a suspect, that it was definitely not him. Just was trying to get cred. Mm-hmm. The weirdest, like, serial killers. I mean, I love true crime for trying to understand why people do what they do. But mm-hmm. this is one that is like... You literally are trying to get credit for the murders of people you didn't kill. I mean, Mm -hmm. how crazy is that? Right? Awful. Yeah. So in 1995, Lewiston police announced that Nelson Miller and Pearsall may have been murdered together inside the Lewiston Civic Theater by another theater employee, which, of course, backs up the idea of the the person who uh, Boberts believes was is the serial killer. He actually Mm -hmm. uh, just lives happily in another state now 
and has been interviewed lots of times, but never been charged. They don't have enough evidence to tie him. No. But I mean, if he murdered yeah. three people inside that theater, mm -hmm. I mean, how would he have cleaned that up? How, how would no one else have noticed? Like if, yeah. and how do you subdue three people, three adults? Yeah. You know, I don't know. All of it is, it's, I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Not only that though, this same person who is unnamed, he's unnamed. This same person was interviewed as a suspect in a different series of killings in Spokane that were eventually attributed to Robert E. Late or Robert E. <laughs> Robert Lee Yates. Oh yeah. Serial killer Robert Yates. But, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, this person was actually suspected of those. Like, what the hell? Yeah, who is this guy? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, how how often do you get suspected of being a serial killer? But get suspected of being a serial killer twice in two different groups of killings? Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how? That, that doesn't make you wonder. Yeah. In 1988, Lewiston police said that... Uh, they finally said publicly that they believed that Kristen Davis's murder was linked to the other Lewiston area murders and disappearances. They'd been kind of hesitant to make that statement until that time, but the locals had always thought that. Mm -hmm. Well, it, you know, but it's again, hard because you can make these connections because of time frame and location, but that does not necessarily mean yeah. that it is the same person. Yeah. The MOs totally. are so different. That is just very... That's hard to for me to put them together. Yeah, me too. It's too different. You have ages and spanning from 12 to 35. You have two genders. You have some that disappeared versus some that were found. You have some right. that were dismembered versus some that we don't believe were. But again, we don't the know. The CODs of those two were pretty hairy because they were, uh, yeah. Skeletonized, probably. Skeletonized. Yeah, but I know there's just so many differences that it's hard for me to believe that one person actually did all of those murders. Yeah. If they did, they are quite the chaotic serial killer, not your typical one. Right. Unless they were all dismembered and that that was the point was dismembering. And we just don't Maybe. know that they were all dismembered because we haven't found yeah. all the bodies and the ones that were skeletonized, we don't know. I mean, yeah. it's possible they could have been. And the others went in the river, you know? Right. But if that, but that case, too. Yeah. Why did one go in the river and nobody else did? Or yeah. did they? And we just or don't know. Three of them go in the river and two yeah. in the woods. But yeah, why? You know, I mean, serial killers have a tendency to just do the same thing mm -hmm. and not make big changes like that. So, yeah, it is. But maybe we just don't have enough of the information yet to know. Maybe it's yeah. more similar than we realize. I, I suspect that's probably true. But... At any rate, it's a very interesting, uh, it's an interesting case for sure. And I'm glad that authorities keep pulling it back to the surface and, you know, throwing it back out there again. You never know when you cast a net that's going to pull something back in, especially after all this time. Basically, uh, authorities are like, look, you may have family members. You have, may have people that you've been close to that you have suspected or thought knew something. And maybe you didn't dare say something in the past, but maybe now's the time, you know? But you never know with DNA processes, too. I mean, there's not a lot to go on there because the two 
girls that were found together, I can't imagine there's any DNA there. I mean, they were no skeletonized, but uh, you know, they do have the paper and the bags and whatnot. Maybe, maybe if it Stranger was stored correctly. Yeah. All this is hard when you were talking murders in the eighties and seventies and eighties, you mm -hmm. know, well, and being found in the water, there's a lot of uh, things stacked against them there, but I'm going to mm -hmm. hold space that something turns over a rock right. for them in these cases for the family members that are still wondering after all of this freaking time, 40 years later, what the hell happened? Yeah. 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 Well, there you go. So Christy, I am going to turn the mic back over to you to talk to us about a Florida man case. Of course. Oh, Florida. You know, what do you do when you want to steal a crossbow out of a sporting goods store? Uh, I, you, I, you refrain? <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> you, you wear stretchy pants. Oh. And you bring along a cane so that no one can tell that you're walking funny. What? <laughs> I know. Always, always. So, um. Is so that what you do? <laughs> that is, in fact, what you do. The Brevard County Sheriff's Office says that this is one of the world's dumbest criminals. <laughs> this man stole And they've a, seen plenty. And they have seen plenty, yes. He stole a 33-inch crossbow that was valued at $1,300 from a true value store. And I'm... I think as you the do. best, as you do, I guess. I think the very best thing for me to do here for you is just to show you the surveillance video, because frankly, you can't make this shit up. So let me, I'm going to just, this just won't stop playing. Hang on. Tech, tech difficulty for a moment here. It's there we okay. go. Okay. It's going to be worth the wait. It is a hundred percent worth the wait. Let me share this video with you and I will narrate it for those of you not watching so that you can Get a good sense of what's happening here. Yes. Okay. okay. So here we have, um, there's no sound on this, so I'm just going to press play on it so you can watch it and I will tell you what's happening. So here we have a man walking down the aisle in the sporting goods store. He puts his, he has a crutch. He puts it up against the, up against an aisle and he grabs this crossbow and he shoves it down his pants, the front of his pants. And then he sort of pulls his shirt up over the top of it. And it's like sticking down, like clear to his knees. Like, oh my God. like he either is having a medical emergency or he is stealing something. He's been kicked by a horse, man. Yes. And then he grabs the crutch. And he just limps on out of the store like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. The sad thing for people who work in this store is that they didn't catch it. He walked right out of the store with that thing right down the front of his pants. Oh, my God. It wasn't until two weeks later when their, uh, you know, their loss prevention people were reviewing their video that they found him. Um. Apparently, 
they this person was known to them. His name is Darren Durant. Oh. And so they immediately called the police and he was arrested on felony uh, petty theft. He had he's had previous felony theft convictions. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's got some balls, I guess. Well, <laughs> crossbow shaped like ones. He had no big ones. <laughs> uh, just shove that down the front of his pants like that and walk right out of the store. Wow. But apparently, stretching and got away with it for a minute will get you a long ways. Maybe no one dares talk to him. Maybe they're like, "Oh, that guy has something." Really... I don't want to know. I don't want to know what's wrong with that guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, just let him keep on walking. Yeah. Well, he has now been apprehended. However, so well, good. There you the have straight, straight are a little safer without this guy. Uh, apparently, yeah. I don't want to know what he was going to do with that crossbow. I, you know. You need a crossbow so badly, really. <laughs> well, if he had it long enough, we would have heard an additional story yes. about a man, you know, somewhere in a public place who whipped a crossbow out of his pants and started shooting or some yes. damn thing. Some day, where he accidentally shot himself right in the wiener. I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was right there. I mean, it, it was right there. Literally. It was right there. Yeah. Was the safety on? Is there a safety? Is there a safety? I it's hard to say. I don't, I don't know. I don't know a lot about crossbows. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is wild. That's definitely a Florida man story and could have been a WTF news. I all rolled into one. Yeah. It's always well, WTF news of Florida, but you know, we have a special designation true. just for Florida because, well, we all know why. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for that. want to mm-hmm. remind you guys that if you are subscribers here at YouTube and of uh, uh well of our sub- little subscription you tomorrow night is the cold read party yes so tuesday night 7 p.m mountain uh if you haven't subscribed to it you can do that just by going to youtube there's a spot that just says subscribe you just do it uh, or it membership. Join. join yeah you know one of those words mm-hmm. and it's five dollars a month and if you do that you get to come to the cold read party and throw a case at us just write up a little paragraph about it and you can come put it in the chat and we'll read it for you. We'll we'll do our best to uh Should put our psychic heads case. together. Please let it be a cold case. Yeah. We only need a cold case. And also it's fun to listen to everybody else's uh cases they bring in too. And mm-hmm. occasionally we find one that we're so interested in that we make it a main case later down the road. Yes. That happened last month. So yeah. Anyway, bring us your stuff. It's a fun mm-hmm. time. It's an interesting time. And we'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode. Yes, so like, share, follow, comment, dislike, whatever, <laughs> but uh, interact with this uh, video or this uh, podcast if you can. That helps us immensely. And thanks for being here, you guys. Have a great Monday. This Absolutely. has been yet another production of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye, everybody.